God bless you all. You may be seated. it's good to be in the house of the Lord with people of like precious faith ready to worship the Lord as the gospel said in spirit and in truth amen to worship him in spirit and in truth and I suppose if we don't worship him in spirit and in truth we might ask ourselves, are we really worshiping him? If we worship in the flesh, is it worship? Well, that's not what I'm here to preach about. But it's just something to think about. If your worship is just a show, perhaps it can qualify as praise, but the Lord said he's seeking worshipers amen he's seeking people that would worship him amen I want to take our attention today to the book of Romans and we're going to read in chapter 12 just um, two verses the first two verses here somewhat well quoted somewhat frequently quoted verses to begin and the Bible here says again Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Let's bow our heads and ask for the help of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your presence and for your people here. We pray, God, that you would be able to use me to speak something worth hearing. Lord, I pray for your help, for your anointing. Jesus, let every word spoken not be filled with men's wisdom, but God, with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Paul writing to the church at Rome finds occasion here to try to gather attention. I beseech you, right? Twelve chapters in, it seems like a, a strange appeal. Early on in a letter, you might say, I need your attention, right? As Jesus would, when he would minister and either either at the very beginning or not long into a, a discourse, he might say something like this, verily, verily, right? I say unto you. In other words, listen, listen. Pay attention, pay attention. This is important. And, and Paul, using 
a little bit of that same flair here. It says, I beseech you. I come to you and I'm, I'm imploring you. I'm wanting desperately for you to hear this. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How many here, just by a show of hands, how many here are afraid of public speaking? Right. Most, most people are afraid of public speaking. It's, it's rated very high on people's like greatest fears. It may not be the, the greatest. I feel like I read once that being dirty is like one of the greatest fears, maybe, maybe the greatest on average, which I found to be kind of weird, but whatever. Um, or, you know, of, of heights, of course, that's a, maybe a popular one. Being claustrophobic, right? I don't like the idea of not being able to breathe naturally because you'll die if you can't. But, uh, you know, public speaking is always ve- ranked very, very high. It evokes this um, fight-or-flight thing that uh, psychology likes to talk about, whether or not you can digest all of the pressure and rise above it and say what you're trying to say, what you want to say, what you should say, and not fumble over yourself, right? And if you have note cards, not spill them on the floor, right? Anyone have any experience with that? Amen. And you made the, 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 the visual aid, and it has fallen in half on you. And you're trying to talk and get your chart back up or whatever the scenario was. Or, well, modern day, we're not doing the, um, the, the two-by-three-foot cardboard. We're doing overhead projection, but then the power fails or the, the, the slides fail or the computer blows up or whatever. And now how are you going to contend with all of that? And it, oh, boy, people can be overwhelmed. But more to my point today is that if you have taken the time to prepare and you feel this pressure it is a what it is a presentation you're getting ready for you are getting ready to deliver for other people and Paul here says I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present that you have a presentation ready, not for other people necessarily, but for God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And while this couple verses have been, of course, taught on and preached on many times, I guess I've never thought about the work that may need to go into that. That it may be something we expect, we just snap our fingers, we just flip the switch, and we are ready to do it. But, but the truth probably is that it takes a little preparation, doesn't it, to get a presentation ready. There needs to be at least a little bit of forethought if we're going to give a presentation, right? Especially if we're the kind of person that's very, very nervous doing it. Can I get an amen from anyone who doesn't like to be a public speaker, right? (laughs) That your nerves grab a hold of you and your your lungs seem to tighten and you're breaking out and getting red in your neck and and, and everything's going crazy. You've got to have every word down. Otherwise, you're just going to explode because people are watching you. 
and judging you. And make no mistake, they are. I mean, the real trick is just not worrying about it. Not worrying about the fact that they're judging you and, and realizing they'll get over it and you will too. But here, folks, Paul says, let's have a presentation. Let's have a presentation daily, hourly, by the minute. Be ready to go. Put the work in to present your body a living sacrifice. Not for other people necessarily, but, but for God. For the service of God. For the field of labor that he has called all of us to. To be witnesses. To be examples. To be ambassadors. For his word. For his gospel. For the work of the kingdom. Can you say amen? For the work of the kingdom. I was just recently, and I think it was, I think it was last Sunday. I think it was speaking with someone about uh, volunteerism, and it wasn't specific to our church. We, was, we were talking about another church that we know and how before the pandemic in 2020, the church was thriving with volunteerism, that it was an inordinate number of people they had engaged. They, they, they had this this uh, uh, conviction and methodology and, and system to try to make every single person a, a volunteer. And, of course, you can't maybe get every single person for various reasons, but that was the, the idea and the goal. And that's, that's worthwhile and that's good, and, and I hope every church can attain that even though no one will. But after the pandemic, it was like things fell off a cliff. While attendance may have gone down some, either because of transition, death, whatever the case might have been. That was not the true mark that had affected them. It was their volunteerism, that they had thrived in it. People were wanting to be involved. People were wanting to spend their time. People were wanting to spend extra time. People were wanting to be a part of planning and, and executing everything that was going on in the church. And after that pandemic, it was bare bones. And even though the same people were coming to church, they were no longer involved. They no longer had an appetite to be involved. And it does make you wonder if, if the church, if what goes on on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Friday Whatever day that we have something going on. If we cannot uh, be excited about that when it's easy among people of like precious faith, how can we be in the kingdom doing the business of the Lord, presenting ourselves ready to work when it's in the true field of ministry where people are uninitiated, where they don't know, where they haven't heard, where they need an example. Can I get a witness right now? Where they need an ambassador, where they need someone to speak up, when they need someone to show them what it means to serve the Lord. Amen. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. What masterful words these are by Paul. Seemingly a contradiction. Sacrifices die. Right? That, that's the whole idea. You're giving something up. And of course, the Old Testament 
sacrificial system was about sacrificing oh, livestock, but really money, right? Really, that's, that's what we're saying because that, that meant to you, you could sell it, and gain, or you could eat it and, and replace something or, or, or whatever the case, however you like to phrase it. You're really, you're giving up increase. You sacrifice it, and it meant death when that animal was sacrificed. But Paul says a living sacrifice, or I think, I think it's Peter in one of his letters that writes to us about being lively stones. You know, stones are not alive. Being lively stones, being a living sacrifice means that you are perpetually on the altar. Perpetually serving the Lord. Perpetually given to being ready to testify of His works and His word and His happenings and doings in your life or in the life of someone else. In other words, there's no real vacation from being a Christian. That went over like my professor said in Bible school, like a pork sandwich at a Jewish picnic. I said there's no vacation from being a Christian. If we come off of the altar, if we come off of the altar, then what would that mean? That we're that we're not being a Christian. Jesus in the garden prayed with the utmost desperation. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he knew full well, of course, what was coming, and he knew full well what he would have to walk through. If it's possible, I, I know it's not. Hey, church, we don't need Christians who are observers. Can I go a little farther and maybe a little bit more biblical? We don't need Christians who are hearers. We don't even just need Christians who are cheerleaders. We need people who are on the altar serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords who are engaged in the kingdom of God, presenting themselves every day as a sacrifice to the Lord. You know, if we can't do that, it's... it's as Paul writes in another place, it's as though we, we crucify him anew. If we're not going to put ourselves on the altar, we put, we put him back on the altar, so to speak. We put him back in that point, in that place of death. And how many believe that he doesn't need to bleed anymore? He's bled enough. How many believe that Jesus has sacrificed enough for you and he sacrificed enough for your family and he sacrificed enough for your neighbor and he sacrificed enough for your city and for your state and for your country and for this entire world? He's done enough to draw all men unto him, but we need someone who will lift him up that can help people see him and see what he can do, see the miraculous power of heaven 
which necessitates you being a sacrifice each and every day. In every moment, in every second, Lord, I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm ready. I'm willing. I've put some preparation into this. I've thought about this. I've read your word. I'm prayed up. I'm fasted up. I'm studied up. But all too often, we'll get a question or we'll be in a situation and perhaps we think, boy, I wish I had an expert on hand right now. Let me call or text the pastor. He reads the Bible. Awful quiet in here right now. I'm your friend. Don't, don't backslide. Relax. And make no mistake, it flatters me when people ask me something that they don't know. Just like it does for you, right? For you to be the subject matter expert means people trust you. Feel like you've got the answer. Of course that makes me feel good. Absolutely ask me. But my goodness, if you can't take four seconds to Google it, in our day and age and you don't know, whip that puppy out. If we've got to have this technology each and every day, can't we use it a little bit for the kingdom of God, not just to play uh, 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 whatever the, the, the new game is right now, Bejeweled or whatever? Can we use it a little bit for the kingdom of God? And it's awful quiet right now. You, you don't have to uninstall Bejeweled. That's fine. You keep it. Just keep a Bible app there too. Amen? Amen. Just, just keep a, a resource there that you can look a scripture up. Amen? Just, just familiarize yourself at least a little bit with the word of God and how to use something to help be a ministering agent in the kingdom of God. Because if you're not going to be on that altar, Jesus is going to have to be on that altar. And if you're not going to minister, he'll have to raise someone else up to help people. That's right. People. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Holy. Acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. You know, we may think about that, oh, that perpetual sacrifice, that seems like an awful lot of work. I mean, I don't get to take a vacation from being a Christian. Seems like an awful lot. And Paul says this is your reasonable service. This is not above and beyond. This is not extra credit. This is the baseline for Christianity. This is the baseline to be in the kingdom. That you be holy. But let's not misunderstand what that means. That that means in its most basic sense, it means separate. In other words, that you're not like the world. Separate from them. You don't think the way they think. You don't act the way they act. You don't go always where they go. Some people take this to, to of course, extremes, trying their best to observe that word and, and be holy. And, and, and at times, organizations just like ours have said, hey, don't, you can't participate in any worldly amusements or entertainment. So you can't go to the ball game. You can't go to the amusement park. And people kind of finally said, well, you know, I go to the grocery store, too with them 
And one preacher trying to defend such a position said, well, yeah, but there's a great difference. They're buying bread and you're buying beans. Yeah, it was as stupid then as it is right now. There's, how many buy both beans and bread, by the way? <laughs> right, right. We, we all buy bread and we all buy beans. But, but while we're at the grocery store and if we do go to the ball game and if we do go to the amusement park, we're not going to think like they do and act like they do and play the fool and be submissive to the spirit of the world or be submissive to the darkness of our age. We're going to be submissive to the spirit of God, which means it will control what we say. It will control what we act. It will control what we put in our bodies and how we engage with this world. Can you say amen? amen. They're buying bread and you're buying beans. Yeah. Yeah. And at the ball game, I'm eating a hot dog and they're eating nachos. What are you talking about, fool? Wait for us to miss the point. Holiness is a condition of your heart, your soul, your mind. That he has been able supernaturally to pluck your brain from your head and baptize it in his word and in his spirit and put it back in you that everything looks different. Which is what he says in another way in a more uh, uh, dressed up vernacular. Be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind by the renewing of your mind. Why do we preach the way we do about, about salvation, that it is an Acts 2.38 experience, right? Why do, we, why do we do that? And we talk about John 3 so much about being born in the water and in the spirit. That's the transformation. That's the beginning of the transformation. That's the doorway in here. That, that's that's the, the starting point. But you cannot have that type of transformation without the spirit of God having access to your brain. Renew your mind. Transform yourself. But that's not what the modern world wants to do. It's not how they think at all. It's not, that's, that's just foolishness to them because they want not to reject the old way. They want to celebrate their sin. They don't want to transform their life. They want to endorse darkness. Perhaps you saw this week the funeral celebration of a transgendered prostitute. And as I understand the story, and I don't understand it all, I'm not an expert, but, but as what I heard, what happened was was they asked a Catholic church, hey, is it okay if we rent this building? Maybe that building wasn't even being used currently as a church. I'm not sure. Can we rent it? We just want to have a celebration of life. It'll be, it'll be nothing low-key, no, no worries. And, of course, it was a, a total fabrication, a total lie, a total uh, a, a, a deception. And they marched in there in full drag and made an entire blasphemy 
of what a funeral service would be, calling the deceased the mother of all whores, and laughed about it, and celebrated it, and screamed in joy. In a church. Yeah, they want to celebrate sin. Yeah, they want to put a crown upon it. Yeah, they want your adoration for it as well. You must celebrate it. Be ye transformed. Not conformed, but but transformed. You know, I used to make the argument, and, and of course I still believe it, that that when it comes to the, the issue of homosexuality, no, I don't think you're born that way. I used to try to stand really strong there, and I, and I still do, but, but, you know, let's make that point moot. Let's make that point moot for just a moment and say, well, if you were born that way, we're here to have a new birth experience. If you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, fine. If that's how you can, can process this and it's the only way you can process this, that's fine. But I read in my Bible that the old man is passed away and behold, all things become new. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And if we fall or we're still only halfway there, we go back to the altar, we pray again, we get another dose of Jesus, we get a bit more of the Holy Ghost so that he can baptize us from head to toe and saturate us with the Spirit of God so that we don't think the way we used to think. We don't act the way we used to act. We don't, we don't do the same things we used to do. We are completely transformed. Like the caterpillar that cocoons itself and comes out as something completely different. It's a metamorphosis, a transformation, a complete change of everything that was into everything he wants us to be. And of course, that's not a one-stop shop. That's not a, a single occurrence that takes place. Paul himself says, you know, I haven't attained. It's not that I have attained, but I press towards the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press towards it. I renew myself every day. Or the words he used, I die daily. I go back to the altar daily. I'm a living sacrifice daily. You know, in teaching and in preaching on that, I think we most often say that's repentance every day. We repent every day, and that's a good practice and, and continue to do it. But let's add to that, I live for him every day. I don't just say, I'm sorry, God, I goofed up yesterday, and then start goofing up again today. That's not, that's not the point. No, I, I die daily. I mortify the deeds of the flesh daily. I turn from evil and wickedness daily. I turn from what I think is right daily, and I present myself. Lord, I'm here for you. If you can, use me. Lord, I'm here for you. I'm ready. I'm willing and able. As the Spirit of the Lord came to the prophet, whom shall we send? Lord, if you can use me, use me. If, if you can, just, just pick me. I'm ready. I'm willing. 
send me. I've been transformed. I don't think like I used to think. I don't act like I used to act. I don't walk like I used to. I don't talk like I used to talk. To think that that's a one-stop shop, that that's a one-time occurrence. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Would I be lying to you to think that I always talk right, that I always act right, but I press. Someone said, I press. Come on, everyone, say, I press. I press towards that mark for the high calling of God. And I have my mind renewed every day that, that I may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, I'll say, I'll say it this way. Juvenile Christians, not juvenile in, in age, in spirit. Juvenile Christians like to read that scripture and say, oh, so, so there's a good will of God and there's an acceptable will of God and then there's a perfect will of God, which makes us think, well, I'm good with acceptable. Like modern University students like to say, C's earn degrees. Don't you want that, doctor? I passed. Just by, you know, the skin of my teeth, I passed. C's earn degrees, yet yeah, no, no. Don't misunderstand. He's, he's, not, using, he's not using it as a list. And, and, and yes, I, I would have to agree there is a perfect will of God and there is a permissible will of God. How can you defend that? Well, I can defend it in, in this way. It's, it's the same thing that happened when, when Moses saw that burning bush and he starts a dialogue with God and, and then God gives him the challenge. He gives him the call. It's time for you to, to, to go back and, and for you to deliver the people and and what does Moses do? He starts listing all the excuses why he can't. And he's uncomfortable because he's got an issue with public speaking too, right? He says, I stutter. I mean, he's talking to God and he seems to be doing fine with that. But let me talk to people. and Yeah, we get it. Okay, fine. And so he kind of, kind of dismisses this perfect will that God, this perfect plan that God had. And he says, all right, Moses, I'll let your brother do the talking. Permissible will. Yeah, I think that, that there could be some permissible will, but that's not what Paul is saying. Paul here does not make a list of options. He is saying that the good will of God is the acceptable will of God. That the good and acceptable will of God is the perfect will of God. They're not an either or list. They are a both and itemization that, that you want to be good. You want to be acceptable. This is the perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove, to show forth, to exhibit, to demonstrate to the world the will of God. Well, what then? What might happen? Well, just as it happened in the Old and in the New Testament, signs will follow those that believe. 
He'll use you in ways you never thought possible. You mean I might slay giants? Well, yeah, but it might not be Goliath. We read these, these amazing stories, these amazing miracles, and we fantasize sometimes about our life being filled with it. Right? Filled with it. But did you know, one of the greatest prophets of Israel, Elijah, in his lifetime of serving the Lord, in his lifetime of serving the Lord, and so great was he, he was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was used by God to perform miracles only about seven, maybe eight times, depending on how you read it. And that's a high bar. That's a high bar. You don't have to have miracles in your life every day to serve him. This is not a negotiation with God that if he gives you the, the right number of miracles, you'll stay faithful. Oh, that's an inversion, folks. That's an inversion. That's you following signs, not signs following you. These signs will follow them that believe. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the miracles. All you have to do is present your body a living sacrifice. All you have to do is stay full of faith. All you have to do is stay in the fruit of the Spirit and let God work out the rest. And when the time's right, I do believe the miracle will come. Would you stand with me as our musicians come? When the time is right, the miracle comes. Whether that is as simple as the headache ceasing or the grand showing of walking on water he gets to choose the time he gets to choose the method he gets to choose how all of it works it's just up to you to do those those few things I'm serving you today I'm serving you all day long amen I'm serving you Today, I'm serving you all day long. And tomorrow, I'm going to do it all over again. Would you raise your hands and begin to speak to the Lord? Thank him for his word. Thank him for his spirit. Thank him for his power. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, mighty Jesus, mighty Jesus, mighty Jesus. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
because of who you are I will lift my voice and say Lord I worship you because of who you are Lord I worship you because of of who you are, I give you glory, because of who you are, I give you praise, because of who you are, I will lift my voice and say, Lord, I worship you. Because of who you are, Jehovah Jireh, my
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, for your presence and your power here. We ask that you go with us this week. Plant within us a desire, Lord, to serve you better. Lord, to be given to sacrifice, to be given, oh Lord, to ministry. To those around us, those who need that encouragement, that word from you, use us. Lord, use us. We pray in your mighty, mighty name. Jesus, Jesus, amen, amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.